Okay, friends, we're going to continue the sad tale of Ahab. He needs like a country song about his woes. Anyhow, we're going to go from Ahab blowing it on the international military stage to just problems in his household. And we're going to be reading the famous story of Naboth's vineyard. And we're going to see into Ahab's marriage and how his marriage poisoned his kingship. Um, you know, we are who we are all the time. And what happens in our household finds its way out. And I, so I think there's a theology of this about relationships. I think as well, um, you know, it's never been God's favorite when Israelites marry outside of Israel. Not that it's like a bloodline problem as much as a faith problem. And even from the early days of Israel, there's been problems with marrying like the Canaanite women and how they turn their hearts, the hearts of the Israelites away. That's a problem. And I think we've got an example here. Ahab is an Israelite. Jezebel is from another country. Her religion has taken over Israel. And her personality is also, excuse me, leading Ahab. And of course, he's a full participant, but it's leading him into bad things. Verse 1 of chapter 21. Now Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab king of Samaria. And after this Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for vegetable garden because it is near my house and I will give you a better vineyard for it. Or if it seems good to you, I will give you its value in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. And Ahab went to his house vexed and sullen because of what Naboth the Jezreelites had said to him, for he said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on the, his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. So if you remember, at the end of the last chapter, the king of Israel went to his house vexed and sullen because um, destruction for him had been prophesied because he hadn't wiped out his enemy. Uh, the one that the Lord had wanted to uh, be finished off in battle. And now we have Ahab vexed and sullen again. So there's a thematic connection here of Ahab uh, being reduced to self-pity. And the first time is like a pretty, fairly major thing, the prophecy of the destruction of his household. And this time is just a case of not getting what he wants. Now there's some foolishness of Ahab here. A vineyard is very difficult to grow. And especially in the ancient Near East, it was like the pinnacle of produce. It takes years to create a functioning vineyard, a years of care and skill to get the vines to work and then to press them and to turn them into like a drinkable wine. It takes years of skill in order to produce your first crop. A vegetable garden is just a vegetable garden. You could have a vegetable garden anywhere. Anywhere there's dirt, you could grow a vegetable garden. And so the idea of destroying a vineyard for a vegetable garden is ludicrous. And Ahab's only good reason is it's near me. So he'd get to have less of a walk. He could have, have had a vegetable garden anywhere. But this would be something near. And so it's just foolish. It's, it's trading something precious for something much less valuable. And Naboth responds by naming the Lord. So Naboth comes off as a, a man of integrity, maybe a man of faith, because he 
he names the Lord in this oath, and he wants to hold on to the inheritance of his fathers. Now, remember, Israel was a land given to Israel by God to be an everlasting possession, an inheritance for from one generation to the next. And so there was this sense of you don't give up your land because God gave it to you, not for your own use, but for the generations and so you hold on to it from one generation to the next that was the idea and Naboth is living that out his you know he doesn't say that would be stupid to make a vegetable garden here or he's not mad at Ahab the answer is a loyalty to the vision that God had for Israel as a nation and Ahab is very upset for not getting his way in comes Jezebel and this is really the most we see Jezebel in action. This story gives you a great picture into her heart and her character and why she goes down in history as such a horrible, evil person. Verse 5, But Jezebel's wife came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so vexed that you eat no food? He said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money or else. If, you, if it please you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. So notice how Ahab doesn't accurately quote Naboth and his reason he just says he said no verse 7 and Jezebel's wife said to him do you now govern Israel arise and eat bread and let your heart be cheerful I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite so Jezebel sees royalty as the right to not take no for an answer and rightly mocks uh, Ahab for for pouting in bed but her response is uh, selfish and unrighteous as a leader. Verse 8, So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed it with his seal, and she sent the letters to the elders of the, and the leaders who lived, in Naboth, lived with Naboth in his city. And she wrote in the letters, Proclaim a fast, and set Naboth at the head of the people, and set two worthless men opposite him, and let them bring a charge against him, saying, You've cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. And the men of his city the elders and the leaders who lived in the city did as Jezebel had sent word to them. As it was written in the letter that she had sent them, they proclaimed a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people. And the two worthless men came in and sat opposite him, and the worthless men brought a charge against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. Then they sent Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned. He is dead. Okay, so notice what's going on here. This is somewhat similar to what David did with um, uh, Uriah having him put to death. Um, Jezebel does it in the name of Ahab. So Ahab doesn't totally want to know what's going on, so he lets her do the dirty work. But just think about how these leaders, because of their unrighteousness, actually bring a whole city into an unrighteous act by demanding that the leaders of a city conspire to murder. Um, they elevate evil they teach the leaders who are maybe uh, middle-of-the-road people, they teach them to do evil instead of leading them to do good. They reward these worthless men for being willing to take a bribe in order to do evil. And so this whole city is brought low under wickedness because of the wickedness of the leaders wanting to get what they want. And so just notice the leadership trickle down here and the corruption of morals. Um, because of this. This also reminds me of when David was, you know, uh, Saul wanted to use a meal as a trap for David, which would have been really a big crime because in the ancient Near East, they had a much higher sense of like, if you sit down to, to a meal with people, then you're, you're in fellowship and you need to protect each other. 
it's a sign of like being in good fellowship so to turn a meal into a trap leading to death is really really evil and Saul tried to do that with David remember and then but Jonathan worked against Saul's plan to kill David with a meal similarly um, there but but by contrast sorry nobody in this meal worked against Ahab and Jezebel by rescuing Naboth from this trap first 15. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money. But for Naboth is not alive but dead. And as soon as Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab arose and went down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite to take possession of it. So here's uh, Jezebel has done a, conspir a conspiracy to murder she informs Ahab of that. And notice how Ahab doesn't ask any questions, doesn't wonder what's going on, doesn't want to know. He just wants the vineyard. And so he, um, this is part of his evil that he, he, as long as he's getting what he wants, he doesn't care how he gets it and is uh, willingly blind about how he got it. Enter in the Lord's prophet. Verse 17, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down and meet Ahab, the king of Israel, who is in Samaria. So there's probably a bit of an echo from the last time God told Elijah to go meet Ahab. The first time was to go and rescue from the drought by bringing rain, and this time is to go and proclaim death and not uh, rescue. Behold, he's in the vineyard of Naboth. He's gone there to take possession. And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Have you killed and also taken possession? And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, in the place where dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick your own blood. So here's this prophecy, and it's a got a sense of poetic justice about it. Um, that that the same thing that happened to Naboth is going to happen to Ahab because of the Lord. Ahab said to Elijah, "Have you found me, O my enemy?" He answered, "I have found you because you've sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold." I remember last time uh, Ahab said, called him a trouble of Israel, and Elijah had said, no, you're the one who troubled Israel. So again, Elijah has to like fend off this kind of like stabbing insult words from Ahab. Verse 21, behold, I will bring disaster upon you. I will utterly burn you up. I will cut off from Ahab every male bond and free in Israel, and I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, unlike the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, for the anger to which you've provoked me and because you've made Israel to sin. So this is a big deal. And of Jezebel, the Lord also said the dog shall eat Jezebel within the walls of uh, Jezreel. So just notice that like the same city she did that great crime, she's going to get turned into dog poop. Anyone belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dog shall eat. And anyone who dies in the open country, the birds of the heavens shall eat. So this is a great household-wide calamity that's being prophesied. So it's even an increase from uh, the last chapter. Verse 25. Now we have a prophetic evaluation. So just in case we think somehow God has got it wrong, the prophet is going to pause the narr narr narrative and give an evaluation from the Lord for two chapter, two uh, verses. There was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. He acted very abominably in going after idols, as the Amorites had done, whom the Lord had cast out before the people of Israel. So this is where this pullout is. Um, Ahab is being incited by Jezebel. Jezebel is being controlled by the false gods of the Amorites. The Amorites have invaded Israel through Jezebel, 
and Jezebel through her husband Ahab. And this whole willingness to do murder, to stay in control, reflects the false gods of the Amorites and not the true God of Israel, who's a God of justice. And when Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted and laid sackcloth and went about dejectedly. So now he's dejected again, but this time it's in repentance to the word of God. And so in verse 28, it says, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the despite, saying, Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he's humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days, but in his son's days I will bring the disaster upon his house. And that's the end of the chapter. And you'll see this again. How when kings sin and then really humble themselves under the Lord, God will relent in doing the disaster on them. It'll come in a later generation. And there's maybe a theological complaint like, is that fair? But usually what happens is that the next generation actually deserves it too and don't humble themselves. And so it is a fair judgment on the next generation, even though it's also a delayed judgment on the current generation. And that's the end of this chapter.